This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. In this episode, I interview Deidre Fogarty. Deidre is a DC-based educational consultant and a master educator with more than 15 years of experience working in education. She's now the founder of Black Girls Teach, an organization that provides professional development and culturally responsive curriculum development for schools and educators all around the country. Hello, Deidre. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Deidre, I have been following you on your social media handle. It's Black Girls Teach. For anybody who this is the first time they've ever, you know, gained any exposure to you, do you mind sharing a little bit about your story and your story in education and what you do and why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, so I um, started working in education about 15 years ago, and I was one of those teachers where I just always knew I was like, I want to go into leadership, I want to do this, I want to do that. And so that's really what I prepped myself for. And so throughout my career, worked at several different schools and, you know, every realizing that each school had its own set of issues. And eventually, when I did go into leadership, I was super excited. I was just like, yes, this is going to be it. I'm going to just take over education. And it was a crazy experience. Um, and it kind of just like made me like, wait, wait a minute. Like, this is not this is not what I planned. And so I uh, went into from that leadership position, ended up being a literacy coach. Again, I was like, okay, this is it. I'll just, this will be my jam. This will be what I do. And then ended up being at a school where they completely transformed or changed just like the, the leadership team. And it was just a toxic environment. And so again, that was really like, just, it did, it just, it kind of impacted me in terms of just how I felt about myself as an educator. Cause I thought like, okay, this is my, my, my trajectory is going up. And now I'm like, what am I doing? So I went back into the classroom, um, went back into the classroom. I think I was like in year 10 and that's when I really started feeling like, okay, like a failure. I was like, all right, I have this plan to be a leader. I'm no longer a leader. I'm a teacher again. And in my mind, I felt like that was, that was not what was in store for me. 
But then what I realized was when I started, I started like confiding in other black women educators who were also my friends, um, who, you know, just the different experiences that I went through and how I got to this point of like feeling like, okay, I'm in leadership and now I'm not in leadership and now I'm doing this. And they were the ones who really just like wrapped their arms around me and was just like, come on, you got this. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna make the best of this situation. Let's make a plan. Like, it's not, it's not like, do not personalize this and make it seem like you're the issue. And so from there, I was just like, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, they really like, got me back, they gave me strength to just realize that, you know, I I am not the the problem, right? There is a lot of systematic issues that are the the problem and um, how I show up kind of just, just, I'm the type of person that's gonna shine a light on it. And so it got me to thinking about like, just the power of being surrounded by other black women educators and how those same friends that I had, they were all at different schools. So like, we, you know, luckily I was able to like be able to form a friendship with them, but we were all over spread apart. And so that kind of prompted me to start Black Girls Teach because I wanted Black women educators to be able to have a support system, be able to have a network, be able to have professional development that was really geared towards their needs. And so it started from there and then it kind of just grew into, you know, centering Black women educators, but then also being able to support all educators across the country and still being able to center black women educators, which is not something I expected, right? I didn't expect that I would have a community filled with just educators from all across the world, men, women, like everybody, right? And so, but realizing that I was still able to center the voices, perspective and needs of black women educators in the work that I'm doing. And so where we are right now is we're doing consulting, we're doing workshops, we're doing masterclasses, we're doing so many different things for educators that are needed. Um, but really being able to just like shine a light on a lot of the issues that I experience and many other educators experience, like we're shining a light on it and we're providing solutions for it. So that's what I do and that's who I am. I love that story and I love that you took it from a challenge of something that was happening that was pretty crappy mm -hmm. to you and turned it into, well, how do I fix this? Because right. so many times we find ourselves in situations that absolutely stink and it's easy to just back into a corner and just say, well, the system change, like the system sucks. Right. There's nothing we can do about this. But creating a community of like-minded educators is so needed and so powerful, especially in the work environment, if you don't feel like you have voices that are advocating for you, if you don't feel like you are seen, like you have friends at your right. at your work environment, it is something that, you know, will drive teachers out of the profession. It drives yeah. people out of any employment, any sort of career that they're in. If they're at a work environment where they don't feel like they are heard, respected, Absolutely. valued. And I've found that there are so many teachers who struggle with teaching just based on feeling like the odd man out, whether right. it's LGBTQ teachers working in different school environments that are asking them, you know, not to share pictures of their family. Right. <laughs> um, right. Or the, you know, African-American teachers that are working at a school district that is mostly Caucasian women. Mm -hmm. Um and even like in my own perspectives from time to time, and this is not anywhere on the same, 
you know, scope, but just feeling like you are the teacher that may be a little bit more progressive. Your teaching style or your own thought beliefs right. are completely different than everybody else at your district can make you feel yeah. like you don't fit, that you don't have a voice, that you're not able to articulate your own concerns when it comes to, me, you know, vocalizing what you think is important in education and what's important for your own environment. So you have focused on creating this community and creating a culture of change within education. And I wanted to ask a little bit about that. What does that look like to you? Well, I think, you know, when I think about just change in general, I feel like it starts with making people aware. And so that's always been me in a school. Like when I see that there's an issue, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say something. And so I've always, I always felt like the ramifications of that because a lot of times people are not ready to hear the truth. Um, and I've always had to kind of push through it, right? And so what I have been able to do with our platform is highlight these issues that are happening in schools and really like bring awareness to it. And then I see like what has happened with that is that you know, educators have realized they're not the only ones experiencing this because oftentimes we're ta I talk about things that folks are not really trying to like shine a light on, right? Or sometimes they don't feel 100% comfortable saying this because somebody at their school might see that they posted this and then it becomes a big old thing. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if somebody at my school sees it. Um, I just didn't, I'm like, whatever. I stand by what I said, like I said what I said. And so, by shining a light on it, it helps educators to realize like, oh, I'm not the only one experiencing this, right? But then it also helps other educators to see, oh, wow, this is really a problem. Like, yeah, it is. So it's first starting to help people be more aware, right? And then the next step is like, okay, well, let's let's analyze this. Let's really think about how we can unpack this issue. Like, what's the root cause of it? How can we find solutions for it? And so I really charge educators with realizing like, we are the ones to create the solutions for it, right? We're the ones that have to be able to think about, you know, what are the ways that we can dismantle what's happening. And I think a big part of it is more educators feeling comfortable with speaking up about it, especially like leveraging social media and being able to really just, you know, get people, galvanize people and get them together and realize like, okay, my voice matters. Um, and I do think it matters when we're thinking about like creating change uh, because those same educators start to uh, do those things in their school. They start to speak up. They start to they start to challenge things. And part of what I do in my master classes is teach educators how to like when you do those things and you speak up. How do you how do you brace yourself for what's going to happen? How do you like arm yourself and prepare for the negativity you might get back? Um, the the words you're going to be called the the ramifications of doing this type of work so that educators are prepared and no longer afraid to say what needs to be said because they know like what's going to happen when they say this. They know that someone's going to feel some type of way. Someone's going to uh, discredit them. Someone's going to no say that they're no longer a part of a committee. Like these are things that actually happen. And so what we do is name them and we provide educators with the tools to be able to best navigate that so that we can still continue like pushing through and, and creating change. So when I think about the culture of change and just like that, that is the work that, you know, we are doing intentionally every day, but I do think that 
part of it, a big part of it starts with helping people to be aware. Can you give a couple of clear examples of things that people have posted, even on their own personal, either teachergram accounts that have gotten them in trouble? Because I've heard stories, something as simple as supporting Black Lives Matter, going mm-hmm. to a protest. I know that I've posted photos of us with protest signs and I received a lot of backlash from you know, teacher gram community, but I was no longer in the classroom. Right. But those who are in the classroom, it's a little bit like a witch hunt right now. There's parents circling around school districts trying to figure out who's indoctrinating their students by teaching accurate history and looking to see how they can get those people removed from their employment opportunities based on whether or not they said the word equity in the classroom once or twice. Yep. Yep. And so One thing that I always tell teachers to do is like, you have to know um, whatever your handbook is, whatever the rules are, you need to know it. You, and a lot of times teachers get their handbook and they don't read it. And so they don't know what they've signed off on. And so sometimes schools will say certain things in regards to social media and like what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. And so from there, like you need to know that, right? Before you start building this platform and speaking up about these things on social media, know what the policy is in your district, right? And so now when I see teachers who are like posting things and getting um, any type of negativity, I've seen it where like teachers will say things about just um, things around like, classroom management, like, oh, this this practice is not okay. Like, for example, I saw somebody who were saying, they're saying things about the use of clip charts, right? And so, which clip charts are like, okay, the different colors students have, and when they do something um, in terms of their behavior that is considered negative, they move their clip down and that whole thing. And so that was something that was taking place in that person's school, and they did a post about it, and they were just like challenging why this is not, this is not right. And then that was met with, well, hey, like we need to talk to you because a couple people saw that post and they felt they felt this way about it. And, you know, some people got in their feelings and they took it personal. And that person was like, okay, well, maybe I need to either make my page private, take the post down. And it just became a big thing. Um, But it also discouraged that teacher from just posting about those types of things, posting or just saying something that was getting us to think about things differently, right? And so that's why I say like, sometimes it's something like that. Sometimes not. we're not even talking about like race, equity, privilege, any of those things. It's just, you know, things that that school or that administration might be currently doing and you're kind of shining a light on it and using that on your page. And so that's just important to to know like, okay, well, what are the what are the rules in terms of what I can say and what I can't say? And so in that particular instance, that person wasn't breaking any rules. Like they were, they were just saying what they were saying, but they were made to feel like what they did was wrong. Um, and they did not know how to advocate for themselves. And, and it ended up being where they deleted the post and they were like, I'm just going to make my page private. And I feel like that was something going into teaching that I was terrified about. They told me in my college prep classes, you know, you'll never have a cocktail photo on your Instagram ever again. And I was like, I was a bartender to put myself through college. <laughs> like all they right. have to do is do a tiny bit of research and they'll find out that there were cocktails in my right, past. Right. <laughs> and like even this specific example, she, it doesn't, I'm sorry, I'm assuming it's someone who identifies as a woman, but I, you know, sounds like 
she just had like an opinion um Mm -hmm. and there's freedom of speech imagine if it's like ted in accounting at a company is like i really like this excel formula over another excel formula like is that controversial but like i feel like teachers have been silenced for so long and taught that they are not allowed to ever have an opinion to the point that saying something like I actually think that this might be a little bit harmful to how it impacts my students emotionally. I have an opinion on this on my own personal page and it's turned into controversy in a way that I don't think it would if it was a, you know, different industry or different demographic of people working in that industry. Absolutely. And I think what, what I'm seeing happen is that, you know, sometimes school leaders are taking posts and things like that personally like it's a personal attack where it's like no this is someone's page where they are critiquing things and you know a lot of like when i talked to this person i was like was this is this something you've brought up in your school and it was so it's like they brought it up as a concern in the school but it wasn't something that was ever addressed so now they're using their platform to shine a light on something and there are plenty of there are a lot of teachers that agree with it but i think when those types of situations happen. Um, and I've seen it where like sometimes somebody will post something and um, that would be controversial. And then in the comments, somebody's like, well, I didn't know this was a political account and I prefer that you you do this and you do that. And then that person, either they're like, well, if you don't like it, you can unfollow or they're like, okay, well, and they stop posting things like that, right? Because they don't really want to ruffle feathers. And so, Part of what I really like push teachers to do is you have to get out of that mentality where you're going to please everybody. And if we're not speaking up about these issues, they're going to continue. So some of us are going to have to take the risk and speak up and and challenge things. And when people are like, oh, I didn't think this was a political account. Okay, now you know. If you you don't like it, goodbye. (laughs) It's fine. You can unfollow me. It's not an issue. Versus saying, oh, well, you know, you're right. I'm going to... I'm going to just stop posting about these things. Because again, that doesn't change anything. I'm going to stick to my like cardigan of the day post. (laughs) Right. I have received the same pushback a couple of times where people said, Mm -hmm. well, I followed you for, you know, career advice or teacher transition or former teacher advice. And I'm like, sweetheart, like, I I don't want to sound condescending, but like, why do you think people are leaving? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. This is relevant to this situation. And it also is important to me to use a platform in a way that can advocate for the change that I believe in, because if not, I will, you know, I, I don't know why I would be doing it. Yeah. And I like one of the things I want to say is I was just talking to um, my community on like an Instagram live and I was saying, you know, I don't think people realize that if we continue to lose teachers right then the impact that's going to have on our students the impact that it has on you when you make that decision like it's you know it's a big deal right so we have to so part of it is just like okay we gotta shine the light on what's happening so that maybe those those teachers that want to remain in the profession remain right but then also those that decide like okay it's time to move to something else are still feeling equipped to be able to do that and still be able to advocate for change still be able to be connected to the education community but perhaps in another capacity and that's something that i always like 
talk to teachers about is like positioning yourself and realizing if you're in a toxic environment, you don't have to stay there. You do not have to stay there and you shouldn't because it's going to impact you one way or another. And I've just seen too many teachers who are like dimming their light and just like, okay, I'm just going to close my door and put my head down and just make it. I just need to make it. But it's just like, why do you want to live like that? Like why you don't, that's, that's just not, that's, when you start doing that, you and I know for me, when I started to do that, I started to, I, when I was dimming my light, I wasn't speaking up in meetings anymore. I was just sitting there just like, because everything I say, you guys are going to have an issue with it. So I'm just going to be quiet. But then when I went into a new job, I was still doing that. And then I was, I remember they were like, wow, you're so quiet. And I was just like, well, I mean, I, I had to protect myself so much and dim my light that now I'm in a place where it's okay for me to speak up and say things, but I'm still doing the same thing I was doing before, right? So I've like, like those behaviors that I had to protect myself really became part of my personality. And that's dangerous to me because I'm, that means I'm not speaking up. That means I'm not like shining a light on things and getting people to reflect on things and, so that's something I talk to teachers about where it's just like, if that is what you have to do to, to be like surviving in your current role, you got to think twice about whether this is the role for you and this is the school for you. And you don't have to stay in a toxic environment that's going to make you have to like adapt in this type of way. share any strategies to help people effectively communicate concerns without being labeled a you know quote unquote negative teacher because that is a skill in itself yes I am salty I have salty opinions I have started to get a lot better at voicing those in a respectful and professional way without taking it over the top because there has to be compromise on both ends even on your own end when you do communicate this because if you want to change you do have to respect other people's opinions especially those above you as well and find some sort of middle ground and collaborate yeah and so the work so we have communication classes that we do is because when i a lot of like last year i was doing a lot of focus groups with teachers just to like get more of an idea of like their struggles and things like that and i was seeing that communication was often like a root of a lot of issues where people were not feeling comfortable having difficult conversations. And then when they would say something, it would just come out any old way. And then, or even when, you know, and I feel like for, for myself as a black woman, I feel like when I say things a certain way, it can be perceived as negative, aggressive, all of those different things, um, no matter how I say it, right? So someone's gonna call me that because I'm saying things in a very, I'm assertive. I'm just gonna say whatever it is, but I teach, we teach educators how to be able to communicate concerns um, very directly, right? And part of that means that we're teaching them, like we've we have actual master classes on communication, like I said, and we're having practice and they're getting scenarios. This is the issue with a coworker, and now you need to address it. Um, let's practice, let's, let's do it, right? I'm the coworker. And then we give them feedback on those actual things because we can't control how the, the names that people may say, or they might call us this, they might call us that, but we can control how we respond to things. We can control how we enter conversations. Um, 
one technique that I often use is, and I tell teachers this, where it's just like, if you know you're gonna say something, like you're in a meeting, and you're gonna say something that is going to ruffle feathers. Um, I always kind of give people, I always say this, well, um, so I'm gonna say something right now and I just wanna name that, you know, this may ruffle feathers. And I just wanna name that sometimes when people do say things, they're, they're called assertive, they're called negative. And I really want you to kind of like step away from that and just listen to what I'm about to say. Right, kind of just like naming those things that people automatically do, right? And then you say what you need to say. Um, and I always tell teachers like we're not we're not responding to things when we are uh, angry. We're not responding to things after we have we haven't um, processed whatever it is that we're feeling. We're not responding to things until we know what is the outcome that you want, right? What do you want to happen from this conversation? Because when you're responding things from a place of emotion, um, then it has a tendency to come out in a way that you might not like it, right? Mm -hmm. And I even have said before where I'm like, um, you know, I want to, I'm going to say something and I'm going to sound very passionate, right? Because, so you might see me talk with my hands, you might, my voice might be a little bit louder. That's because I'm passionate and I just want to name that, right? So, and then I say whatever it is that I need to say, because it's like you're prepping people for what they're, tendency is to do when they hear somebody talking with their hands or talking loudly or she's mad she's like, aggressive exactly exactly and it's just like that that's not what it that's not what it is i'm being passionate and so i just want to name that before i before i xyz and um the last thing i do is like we, we teach teachers how to when you are applying for jobs in schools how to start like when you're going through that interview process and talking to the school leader, letting them know I'm a teacher that is very vocal. I'm a teacher that does speak up. I'm a teacher that is going to raise my hand in a meeting and question that. Like, is that, how do you feel about that? You know, like you're, I'm not just, you're, and when you're going through these jobs, like it's not just about you interview, being interviewed. Like I'm interviewing the leader because I need to know if you can handle this. I need to know if you're okay with the teacher who is going to speak up and say, you know, say what's on their mind. And some leaders won't, right? And that's okay. That means you're not the school I need to work at. You're not the job I need to work at. But if you know you have a personality where you're not going to bite your tongue, you might as well say that during the interview process. And if someone is with that and they like it, then cool. If not, then that's fine too. Yeah, have you seen that that blocks people from opportunities um, often? Like, have you have you heard back from people who have used that strategy in interviews on how it actually worked for them? I have actually seen some people. So we, when we are coaching teachers through this like landing the job process, um, I've seen teachers who have, not gotten the job who have done that and i've seen teachers who have right but the ones that and it's but it's it feels good to them where it's like i didn't get it and that's fine because i'm gonna show up as my authentic self and if that's not what that they want then i don't that's not the job for me versus if you say that and the school is like yes like we we love that we need that here that's what we want okay that's that's what you're gonna get so i think it's it's part of Part of it is teachers realizing that, you know, you are the asset, meaning you are the hot commodity. You are the one that that schools need or consulting companies or whomever they need. Like you are it. You have to believe that. So it's like, I am not, you're not interviewing me. I'm interviewing you mm -hmm. and I have multiple options and you're just one of them on the list. 
And so teachers have to go into it like that. So you should be vetting them. You should be vetting, vetting to make sure that you're at a school that's going to accept your full self or whether it's a school or organization or whatever, you want to be able to show up as your full self. So if that means you're weeding them out by, by letting them know who you are, then you have to be okay with that. I could not agree more. I <laughs> had two schools that I was grateful for the opportunity to work in education. I loved my students. The students were not the issue for me. Right. But a lot of it was, you know, the culture and right. the last school district was just a very toxic administrator. And I wish that I would have been able to see that in right. those first few minutes of what working in that work environment truly did to me because it yeah. really does take a lot of you or a lot out of you to be in an environment where you are it does. completely sticking out like a sore thumb and constantly watched and constantly micromanaged and constantly, you know, kind of dangling that you're probably going to mm-hmm. lose your job at any moment just because I just don't like you kind right. of feeling not right. because of anything you're necessarily yeah. doing, but let me just, you know, have this power. Yeah. I feel like schools fall short with admin training But I also, one thing that I heard from you and hearing what you're doing to how to support teachers that I never really thought about is how short schools really fall when it comes to teaching, you know, effective conflict de-escalation, especially in today's times. Because I've moved on and I've worked at different companies and we have all these different types of trainings of how to efficiently communicate with one another and work as a team. But I'm not sure if that's something that's, incorporated itself into a school environment. I haven't seen it. Like, and that's one of the reasons why we had to do it because like no one is really teaching teachers how to have effective communication. And so one of the organizations we were working with was like a pre-service teacher organization. So they they train they're training teachers before they're actually like uh, full-time teachers. So we're working with them bef- like while they're working with mentor teachers and the core areas that we talk about is just communication because it, to me, I feel like if teachers know how to effectively advocate for themselves, how to have a challenging conversation, how to set boundaries, how to just be able to uh, name things that like might be a little bit, you know, might not be as easy to s- discuss those are core skills, foundational skills to me. And I see that a lot of teachers, when we looked at the root cause of a lot of issues that were happening, it was because of ineffective communication and at the leadership level as well, right? These are some skills that some leaders do not have, right? And so if it was, if if every, if, if we were getting training in this and actually spending our staff development days, like let's practice having challenging conversations Let's practice. What does that look like when it's with your colleague? What does that look like when it's with a parent? What does it look like with uh, with your school leader? Because there are going to be times where you're going to have to have a challenging conversation with your school leader. But we have we've been conditioned to just avoid it and just be like, oh, whatever. I'm not talking to her anymore. Like if it's our colleague, they said something. Oh, it's OK. I don't like her. I'm not talking to her. Or if it's your leader, you just go in there and smile and just keep everything that you say to yourself because you don't want to lose your job. Like it's just been so normalized. And it's like, well, imagine if we actually taught educators how to develop these skills. Like imagine 
how much confidence, because that's what it does too. It builds confidence when you can like advocate for yourself or you're able to like, there's a conflict and you're like, okay, well, I want to talk to you about this. Do you, do you have a moment? And we're having a conversation and it's resolved. You feel unstoppable. You're like, okay, I can do this, right? It's a muscle. You get more comfortable with it. But then when we are not doing that, um, I feel like it can, it can, it's not doesn't have a, a positive impact on you when you're just holding everything in. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we, we really, really focus on communication with educators. And I just because I feel like it's a game changer. Yeah, that's something that I had to learn in, you know, therapy a little bit of mm -hmm. sentence frames of how to acknowledge other people's points of view while I'm right. talking to them because it, it is a skill. It's not something that everybody knows right off the bat, but also starting to work on yourself personally will give you the clarity of, I really did all that I could to try and collaborate right. and to try and make some sort of positive changes in this educational environment. Yep. And that did not work for me. So I'm packing my bags. I'm going right. out. Even though like I did, Absolutely. I gave it the old college try. I did my, I did my all. And that's, you know, something that some teachers absolutely need because you are ready to bend over backwards to say in a profession where you're completely unhappy until you know you've checked off all the boxes because that's just where yeah. your heart is and it's such a difficult decision. I wanted to talk a little bit about teacher gram, social media in general, mm -hmm. um, because I know that this is something that you're very passionate about is leveraging social media to fight for change, to advocate for change, and also maybe some of the kind of controversial, but um, uses of buzzwords on Teachergram, but without a lot of substance or actionable mm -hmm. advice behind the buzzwords. Do you right. want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm a big, I, I'm a big fan of just like Instagram in the sense of educators really being able to leverage their expertise and position themselves right out there so people so more people have access to the work that they're doing and so but i think what can be dangerous and what i think it just is dangerous is that when there are educators that like build a following but really there's no substance behind it meaning they're building a following and maybe they're hopping on the being their anti-racist educator bandwagon and having a couple posts about it. Um, but then that's that's that. There's no, there's no, like you said, action steps. And I just, <laughs> those are the types of things that just like really rub me the wrong way where it's like, okay, you have this platform, you have like hundreds of thousands of educators that are following you and either you're choosing not to talk about specific things, like we said, or you are like randomly throwing things out there for people to just like grab, right? Because you know it's gonna get a lot of likes, but then that's that, like there's nothing else, right? And I think that sometimes the words anti-racism, equity, privilege, like diversity, equity, inclusion, like those things, I feel like sometimes we have to really unpack those words and really show what that means. And 
versus just having a post where we're using the terms and it sounds good, right? But it's just like, do people even know what that means? Like, do we even, what does that look like in your classroom? What does mm -hmm. that look like in your school? What does that look like when you're doing whatever X, Y, Z in your classroom? And I think a lot of times folks just fluff over it and that's not really helping. That's just, it's just, it might be helping you to look like you are a socially conscious educator, but that's not helping the cause. That's not doing the work of really supporting teachers with really grappling with this because there are teachers that are really, you know, one of the schools that I'm working with really just trying trying to, and it's a predominantly white school, predominantly white staff, um, predominantly white students, um, but they are, they are totally just invested and ready to do this work of being anti-racist educators, but there are things that they are grappling with. There are, there are just, you know, so many things. And so even with somebody's platform, like taking those small decisions of, okay, like for example, let's say that there is a book about a specific topic um, and you just are not comfortable with talking about that, right? How do you, how do you move past the discomfort? How do you like push or unpack the, that discomfort? Right? That's something that someone could be posting about and, and just grappling with, even though you're not showing you're the expert, you're just showing that like, this was a topic that I really realized I have to, you know, I need to really dig deeper into because I just didn't feel comfortable. And now my students are don't necessarily like, and I chose not to read the book. And now my students, didn't get that experience. So let me unpack this. Let me think about where that discomfort lies. Like even just like sharing that versus just saying like the buzzwords, right? Just sharing mm -hmm. the own reflection that you have to go through and, and naming that none of this is easy, but like showing, just sh sh being transparent and showing that part of the process. And so part of what I really challenge educators to do is to let's move away from these buzzwords. Let's really unpack them and really show what that means and dig deeper into whatever the root issue is. Yeah, I think you talked about a couple of things that made me reflect on my own past experience as an educator and you know, I'm embarrassed to say it. If I could have gone back and changed the way that I did things in the classroom, I 100% would. Mm -hmm. I vocalized concerns on multiple occasions about things that I felt were injustice at, you know, um, some of the school districts I was working at. But I would probably say I only did that 20 to 30 percent of the time and mm -hmm. the other times I just talked crap about it behind my school's back about how dumb I thought it was or how gross it was or how it made me feel about education but I was sitting from a place of comfort right. I didn't want to constantly push and push and push on something because I didn't want to be uncomfortable but that's not fair right because other people are uncomfortable 100 percent of the time because of the things that I was seeing right and that's something that reflecting on that and knowing that you can be a voice that is an ally, a true ally for other people from your position of comfort. Yep. And that we just have to shift the mindset of we don't get to be comfortable. Like things have gone too far for too long and we should not be sitting in a position of, of comfort. Absolutely. Um, and, but also recognizing that a lot of people don't have access to the information and they're scared to do something 
that they haven't done enough research into or sound stupid. And so a lot of times it needs to be a template of like, what do I do? How do I approach my district to make a change? But like lay out the four steps of exactly what books everybody recommends I read. And with that, that's putting the weight on other people to do the research for them, which Mm -hmm. also stinks. So where are one or two places that they can go, do you think, to find, you know, resources to help them learn to become better allies without asking all those questions. I think, you know, a big part of being an ally is listening. And so that means how I'm like examining, like, who am I listening to? And um, where are the spaces that I can listen? And so I think listening, you, you know, on social media, you can be following educators that are sharing their experiences about different things. That's one place that might be podcasts, listening to podcasts that might be ones that you wouldn't traditionally listen to. That could be even just listening to the people on your staff. If there are um, people of color or people from marginalized communities that are um, sharing things, how are you listening to them? actively listening, like listening without feeling like, okay, I'm going to add my own interpretation to it. You have to listen. And then I also have to, one of the things too, is that I know that sometimes we want to feel like we can, like there's a certain book that we can read, or there's a certain, like there's going to be something that's going to, like all these things are going to be helpful, right? So you reading books, um about like being anti-racist and things like that but there's never really a stopping point so like knowing that this is like lifelong work and Mm -hmm. it means that you have to you know really make the commitment to continuously reflect and also just get comfortable with being uncomfortable right and so that means examining the spaces that you are in, ex- examining the, the the decisions that you make for yourself, the decisions you make for your children, um, ex- the decisions you make for your students. It means really like being able to self-reflect. And so for me, I say that if someone is really like serious about really just doing that self-reflection so that they can be more of a ally in terms of like an actionable way examine you know those things in terms of like who are you listening to um how can you increase your ability to like actively listen because i think that's a skill as well where it's just like how am i like actively listening to people that don't look like me or whose experiences Mm -hmm. are not like my own right and i know for me one of the things that i'm really like pushing myself to do more of is listening to more folks from the lgbtq community right because that is something that i've realized like okay i need to really put myself in spaces where i am doing more listening so that i can understand so that i could truly be an ally right and so that means that that, that goes for all of us, right? We all should be striving to be on this journey to allyship, journey of allyship. It's not like no one gets to check out, right? And I mean, some folks get to check out, but for me, I just don't feel, I'm like, I don't get to check out. Like I have to be like, how can I be an ally to other people? Um, and so like the big thing to me is listening. There are tons of people who are doing this work. And so listening to them, but then also supporting them as well. And so 
when I think about support is that can also look like if there is a teacher in your school who is saying something, who is like having those controversial opinions and they're the only person in the room. Like, are you listening to them? Are you speaking up and saying, you know, actually I agree with so-and-so, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to- Raise your hand and you say, you say I 100% agree with what she is saying so that the more- Yeah the more vocal, you know? Yep, that's so important, right? And that's part of that's part of being an ally as well. Like, that's why I say like, sometimes we want to skip, like if there are people in our school or in our circle that we can be allies for, a lot of times we just wanna jump to like the, and, and donate to this organization and this and that. But it's just like, you have, some of you have people right in your building, in your school or at your job that you can be starting to do this work with. So I think, a big part of it is is self-reflection um, and listening. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You are such, you know, a great asset for people to learn from. And I want to hear a little bit more about what you do with educational consulting and how you actually work mm-hmm. with yes. teachers. So let's talk about educational consulting first. So I work like directly with either schools or teacher prep organizations. And we do a lot of work that's centered in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the school that we're working with now, we're really helping them to truly unpack like what does it mean to be an anti-racist school? What does it mean to be an anti-racist educator? And it's really like a, a, a year long and hope and it probably will be more time that we're going to work with them commitment um i actually was just in los angeles uh a couple weeks ago their school is in 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 the hollywood hills and i was just telling somebody i never would have expected to be working with a school in the hollywood hills um but that's the power of social media because one of the reasons why we were able to get that contract was because we created a masterclass. There was someone who came to the masterclass and they were just so inspired by the masterclass that we had. They went back and they advocated for us to work with their school. We met with the principal, we met with the leadership, and then eventually we were able to start doing this work, right? And so, um, that is and it's just and it's powerful work and so we do work with schools in the areas of diversity equity and inclusion but we also have uh opportunities to develop um women of color in terms of leadership positions so we work we have affinity spaces that we work with schools and organizations on for women of color um to help them with like i said like being able to have the skills to go into leadership, but then also we're working with early career women of color to develop the skills of communication, of just having to advocate for yourself, things like that. So those are the services that we um, have directly with schools. Um, And then also things like, there are some schools that want to do work with having a more diverse teaching staff, being able to really meet the needs of their school affinity groups, book clubs, things like that. So those are things that we offer as well. And so when I think about like customers and things like that and clients, like we have the schools, but then we also have directly teachers. And so some of the things that we provide directly to teachers are, are we have monthly master classes that are geared toward you know, whatever those things that teachers are needing that they know their school is not going to provide for them, that's where we come in. So we're providing those professional development sessions that are really geared towards teachers' needs. Um, We also have, I have a membership community for Black women educators. And so that really, again, it's a personal and professional development community where they're getting 
trainings on any and everything that is going to equip them to be able to navigate different challenges they experience. And then we also have started small group coaching where right now I'm teaching, uh, I have a group where we're talking about just social media. And so that's the focus of it, really positioning yourself on social media to be able to do this transformational work. And then our next cohort, we're gonna be talking about just positioning yourself for whatever it is that you want to do. So if that means that you want to become a school leader, how do you start positioning yourself strategically to do that? If that means you wanna get into consulting, like, you know, and do the work that I'm doing, how do you position yourself to do that? Because because it's a process it doesn't happen overnight it's like you know mm -hmm. a lot of the things that you talk about and your platform like there are things that we have to do in order to like get to that point and then the last bucket is a lot of the work we do is mindset work because teachers have been devalued for so long where we just we just some of us are feeling like you know we don't matter we can't we can't do this type of job like we can only be a teacher or their voice is not important so like there's so much mindset work that we do where eventually teachers realize like, wait a minute, no, I am the asset. Like I'm the asset. I don't have to be at this school. I don't, I can get a job somewhere else and be fine. It like just is, and there's, there's like a light bulb that comes on after we have a master class, master class called you are the asset that we did. And there's a light bulb that turns on. And once that light bulb is on, teachers are they, they, I had a teacher who was like, I quit my job uh, and I got a $20,000 salary increase, like by advocate, you know, like they're applying this information and realizing like, yes, you're the asset. You can do that. You don't have to, you don't have to stay stuck anywhere where you're not happy. And so a lot of that is, that's that mindset part where people, we have to like start realizing like whether you are a first, second, third year teacher or veteran teacher, you are the asset. You have something to offer and you do not have to remain somewhere that doesn't appreciate that. And so that is a lot of the work that we are doing. Um, and I do this full time now. I left the classroom because I was doing this while I was teaching, but I left the classroom in May um, right before they were trying to get me to go back into the building. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, do I really want to go back into this building? I was like, <laughs> I just don't, because it was a toxic environment, right? And similar, like, I love my students. I love the teachers I worked with, but I was just feeling like I want to be able to devote my full time and my full energy to this, this work that I'm doing. Um, and then, so I exited, I, I resigned and I was just, and I did not look back. And since I've resigned, there has been like 18 teachers on that, or 18 staff members that have resigned. So I was like, I think I, <laughs> I feel like I started like a wave of people who are like, yeah. And it's, it's part of it is kind of sad though. Cause I'm like, I think about the students, but that's what happens when you are in a toxic environment, people are going to leave. And people, once they see one person who is just like, who they did not expect to leave, which was me, I think it opened up like, okay, yeah, I need to, I need to go somewhere else. So now I'm doing this full time. Also working for it, I work part-time for an educational consulting company, um, which I keep telling teachers, I'm like, listen, if you, these educational consulting companies, <laughs> they are hiring teachers and I get to pick my shifts. I can be virtual or if mm -hmm. I want to um, do something in person, I can do it in person and they're paying for hotels, they're paying for your, your car, they're paying for all this stuff and I'm showing up and doing a presentation. And I like that. I like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, that's it. 
You know, that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, four mm-hmm. or five years. I've been, it's called a learning mm-hmm. consultant, but educational consulting. Um, I left for a little bit for instructional design. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to the mm-hmm. more flexible option. Yeah. So couldn't agree more. Uh, we went over a lot. I want to touch a couple things that you said for sure. The career low self-esteem that I see so many teachers have, the imposter syndrome just from feeling devalued is real. And people don't realize it's them because they're in the middle of it. So they're like, I'm listening to so many other teachers who were successful on getting out of the classroom, but that's not me. I'm not good enough. And then finally they're like, oh, wait, that is me. I am good enough. They It finally clicks towards the end and they realize like, I don't know how it got to be so bad, but it did over the years. And I love that you have something completely geared towards that. But if I could talk to you for a million years, (laughs) I would. We do need to cut it short. But Deidre, what would be the best place for them to find all these resources? Is that blackgirlsteach.com? Yes, yes. They can go to our website. I would definitely highly recommend you follow us on Instagram. Um, We offer tons of opportunities for educators to be a part of our community. And really, it's a, it's a, it are, while like sometimes people hear the name Black Girls Teach and they're like, oh, well, is everything just for Black women educators? And I always say like, I'm always going to center Black women educators everything that I do, but we offer inclusive spaces for for anybody who is invested in this work and anybody that really understands that it is important to censor black women educators and it is important to listen to black women educators, like tap in and, and listen and share and grow with us. Like we are a community that is about bringing about change. So definitely check out the website, the Instagram handle, um, and just, you know, tap into the work that we're doing thank you so much for being here today and i just really appreciate you taking the time to speak to this audience such an important episode and just so grateful to finally get to meet you yes thank you for having me i love this conversation a huge thank you to Deidre for coming on the show and sharing her wisdom with this audience. Make sure to connect with her on Instagram if you are looking to learn more from her. Now, if you want to receive weekly newsletters from our team, make sure you've signed up at teachercareercoach.com forward slash newsletter. We've been sending out one every Saturday to help you learn new skills and see some of our best blogs. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast.